Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome. Uh, for all we know, this could be the last week of the Republican campaign. I mean, Nikki Haley did this cute thing yesterday where she said, I'm going to address the state of the race, which a lot of people took to be she's getting out. And she came on stage and said, I'm staying in. <laughs> and now I got all kinds of live coverage. So, uh, But, you know, obviously the pundits will want to say when she loses, as we expect, in her home state, uh, the calls will increase. Just get out. You can't even win your home state. Uh, we have a new study or an update of our study that we've been doing on the campaign with our longtime research director, Rich Noyes. Rich Noyes on the line. Hello. Morning, Tim. Uh, you make this point, you know, in the wake of uh, Trump winning by double digits in New Hampshire, you know, DeSantis gets out. We're down to basically a two-person race. And so you noticed when you looked at these evening news shows, ABC, CBS, NBC, you saw a shift, which I guess we should expect maybe more than one shift, except Trump's still on the receiving end of 89% negative coverage. That's right. I mean, it, you know, for all of 2023, we heard that, you know, this would all become clear when it was a two-person race. And it's a two-person race, and it's still... The media are gravitating towards Donald Trump because they're not interested in letting the other candidate, right, right they have one candidate now, attack him. They want to do the job themselves. Uh, they've been doing this since 2016, thinking that somehow, if they say the same things often enough, somehow they'll have an impact. And I think the, the media have, or the public has tuned out the media, um, and we're seeing more of the same. I mean, Trump seems totally unaffected by the media coverage, but it is extremely negative. Uh, and they're bypassing Nikki Haley. I mean, she's not getting sort of this swell of coverage uh, being the last person to challenge Trump. She's uh, she's getting uh, a little, about five, one minute of coverage for every five plus minutes of coverage Trump is getting. And uh, yeah, a lot of the coverage is about how she, you know, does she have a path forward? And they're very gentle about it. Uh, but yes, you know, what is your path forward? The polls in South Carolina show she has not made a dent in uh, in the former president's poll numbers since New Hampshire, so they're they're fully expecting she's going to lose by a uh, catastrophic margin on Saturday. Yeah, like two to one, it looks like something. Two to like one in the state where you know it's assigned. You know, you win the state, you get all the statewide delegates, and you win a congressional district, you get all the delegates for that district. I don't think there's any congressional district where she's even competitive, and she was elected governor in that state twice, not that many years ago. Well, and they I think the last time was in 2014 when, you know, it was it was a pre-Trump election. Uh, we all remember we're old enough to remember when governors used to run favorite son races where they might just run in their own home state uh, with the intention of capturing all the delegates so that they could hold them for the convention like a coin purse. Uh, she's not doing that. But, you know, in the olden days, you, you would have expected the governor of a state or the former governor of a state to be able to rally the, the Republicans in her state. And this, I guess, just shows you the power of Trump and how nationalized races are now. Yeah, I think that's right. I think this is a national Republican electorate that has decided, I think, you know, uh, if if there was somebody appealing to these voters on the same issues but doing a better job than Trump, 
which is, I think, the way that DeSantis tried to approach the equation um, last year, uh, they might have made it, might have been tempted to make a move if they thought it was they'd have a better shot with somebody else. But Trump showed at least these voters that he's up to the job. Um, the more he is attacked by the media, uh, the less it affects him. The more it almost makes them uh, rally to his side. And uh, and someone like Nikki Haley, who's sort of you know she's a blend of establishment republicanism and classic Reagan conservatism. Um, you know, that's that's yesterday. And uh, and Trump is is where it's at today. So, yeah, we're talking about the ABC, CBS and NBC evening newscasts from January 24 to February 20, including weekends. We do that. Sometimes they're a little hard to find uh, with all the sports on, but we do count those. And as Rich said, uh, there are 148 minutes on Trump's candidacy, just 28 for Nikki Haley. But I think Nikki Haley got just like 35 minutes all year last year. So in a weird way, it's an improvement for her because she's the only one in the race. Um, But as you point out, last year, Trump accounted for 79% of all the Republican candidate news. And now he's up to 84 because there's just the one person in there. Um, But what you found interesting here was there was a little less of the legal issues, which was the, you know, the driving force last year, and a little bit more of the policy issues. Although one could argue the policy issues here um, are also treated like a scandal because he says something that drives them nuts. Well, that's, I mean, that's right. And that's the way they covered Trump when he was a candidate the first two times. Uh, it was It was more about what he said and what its impact on policy would be. I think what happened in 2023 is the media and Democrats, for that matter, decided that they had this silver bullet issue, which was these indictments. And if Trump could be convicted or if Trump could just be shown through these uh, uh, the, the, these talking indictments that would explain the particulars as, as the prosecutors saw it, that that would be enough to discredit him and everybody would move on. And, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've beaten that drum now for... Um, you know, really, it goes back even before the Bragg indictment in April of last year. We're coming coming on a year now, and it just hasn't moved the Republican electorate. And it doesn't seem to have moved the national electorate, non-Republican, very much because, uh, you know, he's now equal to or leading Joe Biden in a lot of these national polls, which he wasn't doing uh, when they started this um, this uh, this legal push. So I think the, the the media are learning and the Biden people are learning that, you know, dealing with him as a more substantive candidate and what the substance of a Trump uh, uh, campaign or presidency would be like is 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 the way to do it, which is sort of the way it always used to be done. So I think what we're seeing is there's a couple of issues that came up in these in these four weeks. One was immigration. Um, uh, Trump made himself heard on the Capitol Hill debate. Uh, the media thought that was awful. It was very much like when Trump was president. You know, he's messing up something that the uh, the leaders in the two parties had had worked together. And then there was the uh, the talk about NATO. Now he was, you know, there was a, a NATO summit. I want to say in 2017 where there's a picture of him glowering at Angela Merkel. Um, <laughs> and you know, so this is not new either. Mm-hmm. But they're 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 giving this more prominence now. Uh, because I think they realize they've got to branch this out. I mean, because because the um, you know focusing on just the legal cases is is uh, seems to have not dented him one bit. Now there could also be seasonality. You know, we're going to get to a point at the end of March when he's actually 
uh, with a trial uh, in uh, in New York. I mean, assuming there's no last minute settlement, I don't know if those things ever happen in uh, in these kinds of things. But you know, and then that will consume the news for those uh, several weeks, and you won't get much substance. But uh, you know, I think for right now there was plenty of legal news, but they actually had some substance in there as well. And I think they're trying to what I call the two front war against Trump, sort of hit him from both sides. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's obviously true. If you looked at what happened to DeSantis before the Bragg indictment, I think he was in the 30s. And the Bragg indictment and the succeeding indictments, you know, that's where Trump really came on. And so I don't know if I don't think the left and the media are such geniuses that they expected that that would help Trump. I think you're right. I think they were thinking that it would sink him among Republican voters using that DeSantis logic. Well, wouldn't you just like somebody who's not going to be in jail, uh, you know, when they're at the, when it's convention time? And and that obviously did not work for them. But yes, as you suggest, it has to be befuddling that despite this is, yeah, independent voters don't seem to be appalled by the legal situation. And that, yeah, and some of these, certainly in swing states, Trump seems to be beating Biden in all the states where it's really going to matter. And obviously it's early. And yeah, they haven't he haven't taken him to court. But, you know, Trump shows up for court when he doesn't have to. <laughs> so I but I mean, I think when you look at the, uh, for example, the the finding here um, in the civil case, uh, the civil fraud case, you have such a, a, a I feel an extreme remedy that that's going to have a rally around, you know, the base will rally around Trump when they're basically saying you can't engage in business for three years and we're going to take all of your stuff away. Well, that I think, you know, the, the, the premise seems to be that, you know, politicians are a bunch of saints and Trump is a single sinner in their midst. Um, you know, we we went through this with the roles reversed in the 1990s. Republicans thought after the Lewinsky story broke, that if we just made the point that this is an immoral man who is not fit for this office, the good public would, would naturally see it. And the public decided, well, you know, we also think about the economy. We also think about foreign policy. We think about, you know, our long tradition of, of voting for different people in different offices. And they just got used to these things after a while. Uh, you know, if the, the, the conventional wisdom was that if Bill Clinton admitted his affair in January of 98, He'd have been run out of office and had to resign almost immediately. He waits until August of 98 to make the, the exact same admission, which everybody by then knew was true. People had gotten used to the fact he wasn't run out of office. You know, his approval rating was higher then than it was the previous year when he didn't have that scandal. So, you know, the public, you know, the public doesn't see these things the same way that that Washington does, where, you know, a, a, a good tabloid soap opera scandal issue is enough to knock someone out. Well, not if they don't want to be knocked out and not if their party stands behind them. And I think that's where we're at with Trump. Um, you know, that's and 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 frankly, I'm not sure the uh, the Biden thing is the same is the same way. You know, you're going after Biden uh, thinking that if you just prove enough scandal, uh, Democrats will turn on him. Well, OK, but then why are Republicans going on Trump? I mean, I, I think it's not enough these days when you have two polarized parties and what's at stake when you shift sides is a whole lot of issues where you don't want to shift. Uh, you know, you're not going to uh, abandon Trump and get all these socialist woke policies that you don't want. 
you'll stick with Trump if he means uh, saving you from that. Same with Biden. You know, no matter how corrupt he is, if he's saving you from Trump, you'll do that. So I think I think, um, you know, the Biden problem is not going to be um, these scandals. They may not help him. I don't think they help anybody. But, uh, you know, if people were satisfied with his presidency, uh, he'd be winning right now. They're not satisfied with his presidency. Uh, that's why he's losing. And the fact that he's going to be in his mid 80s uh, doesn't help one bit. Uh, you know, if he was a young president, I don't think they'd like this record. Uh, the fact that he's old is another another uh, ding against him. Yeah, I mean, I, clearly, uh, if the news media were focusing on inflation as an issue, and I, your last study in 2023 was like they really didn't focus on inflation as an issue in the presidential race, which is sounds very odd. You know, obviously now immigration is going to become an issue because it is the border does seem to be in crisis, and it is one of Trump's favorite issues, and the idea that uh, these immigrants now are inundating so-called sanctuary cities has taken it to a rather interesting place. Uh, but these are still, you know, 24% of the coverage that they're giving us is that overwhelmingly they're focusing on the legal cases. Um, and so th this is the only way I get a little upset at the Biden scandals. I don't think I assume that the Biden scandals were going to do Biden in. I just think that the news media has this calculus that because you can't cover the Biden scandals because somehow it normalizes Trump. It's that sort of impulse. And the whole notion that they tried to squelch all these things in 2020 before people voted. And now this is exactly the time when a news media should come back around and say, well, what did we not give the electorate the last time? And they're not really doing that. Well, that, this goes back to 2016 when you had all these deep-thinking journalists uh, telling themselves that, yes, being objective is fine in normal times, but now the stakes are so bad, we've got to get off the bleachers, put on the jersey ourselves, and fight. And, you know, I think a lot of Democrats thought, okay, we'll have these authoritative, objective journalists join our side. It'll give us extra credibility. Well, what it did was it made journalists seem like politicians, which they were acting like. And it actually helped ruin whatever remained at that point of the credibility of the profession. So they didn't actually help themselves or their cause. And I think they hurt the broader issue of journalism as well. I mean, it, it is it is something, and I think now they're stuck with it. And you're right, they're seeing this through a very partisan lens. Uh, they don't want to cover the Biden scandals because they think uh, even if Biden, you know, how, how does Hunter Biden actually make millions of dollars with no apparent uh, skills. Well, you have to explain that somehow. Well, you explain it through uh, selling of influence. Uh, now, was this all a wink and a nod or was this something serious on Joe Biden's part? Who knows? I mean, maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe they won't. I'm not sure it'll change many votes. But if they covered it the way they would cover any politician before 2016, it would be terrible for Joe Biden. But they're not going to because they think it'll be good for Trump. Well, I, I mean, if if scandal were 70 percent of Biden's stories, I mean, nobody expects that to ever happen. Um, and now I know well, you're but not. You, but you saw it just a, just a few days ago. It was after the um, the her report came out. Uh, you know, Biden came out and he basically said this is a, a prosecutor who's who's playing politics instead of uh, of uh, of uh, being a dispassionate prosecutor. And it's a media that's trumping this all up. He went after the whole lawfare argument and a biased media. He sounded, he sounded like a Republican. I mean, this is there's no difference when they get into scandals as to how they're going to react. They want to keep their base 
from agreeing that it's true. And so, yes, Biden went for exactly the same, uh, you know, arguments that it, that Trump would, you know, and that's, I, I think that's what you are, what you have these days is as long as you don't admit you're wrong, your base doesn't have to believe you're wrong. Yeah. Well, it just, but it's odder in Biden's case because it's like, um, Mr. It was his Justice Department. Right. Mr. Hurt was, was, was put in there by Merrick Garland, uh, which of course, uh, this is to me one of the, the hilarious fictions that the news media has tried to pretend that the Biden Justice Department is somehow nonpartisan. I mean, we know that they know better than that. Uh, let's talk for a minute about the NATO thing. Now, obviously, with Trump, you know, you could say normal things. For example, you could say, when I was president, we've, we've got the NATO countries to focus more of their GDP on defense because we said we're not going to pay this and let you keep, you know, skirting the bill. But he comes out and does it Trump's way, which is to say, well, I'd just tell you if you don't pony up, I'd tell Putin, do whatever the hell you want to Estonia. I mean, it's just like, what is this, a cartoon? You know, and this is where you just say he knows what that's going to do. And that's why he does it. Yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't speaking to the allies at that point. Maybe he was a little bit. Uh, he was speaking to his audience, you know, who think that America has been getting, um, you know, ripped off for years and years and years, and they're sick and tired of, of paying all the world's bills. Uh, now, I think Europe is actually, if you look at it, has actually done more than you might have expected with the Ukraine issue. Uh, we've done an awful lot, too. Uh, but they just recently put up, I think, $55 billion. So they're not exactly uh, sitting on their hands waiting for us to, to kick in. Uh, but yeah, it, it got a lot of energy. It got a lot of attention. There's a there's a story to tell there where Trump, by pushing hard, has actually made Europe a lot more serious about um, uh, paying for their own defense, and uh, they've become a lot better at it than they were before. They're still not as good as, as we would want them to be, or that their agreement would require them to be. Uh, but it is getting better. Uh, and you know how you know how come Trump isn't or how excuse me how come Biden isn't pushing sort of a harder line with these guys to uh, to get more out of them? Uh, so I think that's what people see when they see Trump is they see somebody who will actually push for a tougher agreement that is actually better for America instead of just going along to get the uh, um, you know to get what they want in the moment. Uh, but uh, but yes, it was it was I think that one was it's about ninety five percent negative coverage ahead. I think. You know, a lot of the evaluations it was it was it was covered with the same degree of negativity as uh, as one of these court cases. So that tells you how how negative the media thought it was. I mean, I suppose if you asked me, uh, you know, off the top of my head, so would you like to say something positive about these remarks? It's pretty hard. It's like, yeah, you would just have to state uh, that under President Trump, the they did the European countries did a little better. Um, Obviously, the news media today, you know, we know this. The European countries are all to the left of the United States. They sold Barack Obama in 2008 because the European countries loved Obama, you know. So they see the European countries as sort of their ally, their allies, you know, ideologically. Um, and that was sort of the way they went into this Munich Security Conference where it's like Kamala Harris is going over to reassure them that America – you know, has their back or whatever. And, and yes, 
I don't think the news media are acknowledging what you're saying, which is there is a substantial number of American voters who've never liked billions of dollars in foreign aid, even if you could argue they've always had, before Ukraine at least, an exaggerated sense of how many billions are going out in foreign aid compared to other things. Um, now the Biden people are running around saying, well, but the the aid to Ukraine is actually going to you know American factories to build bombs or whatever. You know, they're trying to to run that whole thing. But this is just, you know, everything we see here is the news media coming out and and announcing whatever the Democrat line of the day is. Right. It was it was CNN gave it away. I think it was yesterday or the day before uh, MJ Lee, their White House correspondent, said the Biden people want as much of Trump's crazy stuff. Yes. Um, spread around as much as possible. And so what we've seen in the last four weeks is they've moved on. Well, they haven't moved on from the court cases. They never will. But they have added to that more of Trump's crazy stuff um, because they think that that is a way to uh, to reach out with more voters and the media are carrying that message. Yes. Well, and this is what to me, again, uh, you, you mentioned MJ Lee. I mean, MJ Lee is the one that had, you know, had Biden outside the White House and was asking him. Uh, you know, would you say the Republicans have blood on their hands for Andre Navalny's death in prison? I mean, excuse me, MJ Lee, that's some crazy stuff that you're unloading. Uh, what was interesting about that was uh, maybe because Biden didn't agree with her, you didn't see that exchange anywhere. I don't know if you saw that exchange on CNN, except she came on to talk about it for a minute. So we knew it was her. Uh, but, you know. This is the other dramatic imbalance between the candidates. We all remember the White House press basically asking Trump several different ways how many COVID deaths were acceptable on his watch. You know, they just don't ask Biden questions of that nature at all. And the uh, I know, you didn't, again, we're not counting up the Biden right now, but it seems to me like the Biden sound bites are always the most, uh, just like the Corrine Jean-Pierre sound bites, you know, they're the most anodyne, you can have confidence in me sound bites. Yeah. And look, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of dissatisfaction, I think, in liberal media land with Joe Biden. I think they, they are worried that he is going to be a loser uh, in 2024. Uh, but they're not being disrespectful. They're not going hammer and tong at him. Uh, they're trying to uh, sort of bring these things up respectfully and gingerly and uh, without provoking uh, his staff or him into into these these bits of anger, you saw, you know, a little bit of it during that press conference about his age, mm -hmm. uh, where he got, you know, not you know, he got questions that could have been, you know, easy fastballs that he could have hit out of the park, and instead he he just sort of flew off the handle and was angry. Um, but you know, with the exception of Peter Ducey, who actually asked him, I think, a sort of a, a, a zinger of a question. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but this is this is, you know, until Biden sort of resets his own narrative by actually showing he's on top of the game and, and capable of actually winning something. Uh, I think you're going to he's going to have a very hard time, even with this press score. But you're right. They're not going to be they're not going to treat him like Trump. They're going to treat him even as Trump light. Um, but they're going to treat him maybe as Mr. Yesterday and start getting more and more fidgety looking for Mr. or Mrs. Tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose it's one of these things at this point where, you know, Biden will actually tell these 
pro-Biden, Biden voter reporters that they're hostile, like they're too hostile, that they're acting like Republicans or something, just trying to goad them into being more uniformly pro-Biden. But I think you could look at the polls right now. Somebody would probably try to come to us and say, see, how much power does the liberal media have? They're this negative about Trump and he never, they never seem to actually get him. Uh, yes, I think it's because everybody, you know, you know, I, I, I apologize for interrupting, but I've, yeah. been, I've been hearing this for years. You know, they're trying to judge the quality of journalism by the outcome and how society changes as a consequence. Of yes. It. They're trying to, you know, you're only a good journalist if you, if you, you know, coerce people to your point of view. Right. That's not what journalism is supposed to be. It's supposed to be showing a fair view of all sides of a debate and letting the public make up its own mind because elections are meaningless if the public is simply driven or led or propagandized into one conclusion. You've got to let people vote their values, vote their opinions, vote their own mind. And, you know, I think, I think journalism has gotten more and more mired in its own um, scandal, if you will, by not, by trying to sort of take on all these roles of running society Mm -hmm. instead of just letting back and like, well, that's voters' job, that's politicians' job, that's the experts' jobs, and we're not any of those things. We're simply a conduit where these groups can talk to themselves. They don't accept that. They want all the power for themselves. They're intoxicated on that, and they are making matters worse. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole way. Yes, you remind me, this is kind of the way they were, like we can go back to Bush. Bush went to war in Iraq, therefore the media failed. I mean... (laughs) You know, it's like, yes, their idea of what the media should be is, is you know, all powerful. They already think they're all knowing, but they're certainly not all powerful. And, uh, you know, I think what's so helpful about what we are doing is just trying to suggest to people they aren't doing what we are, what you have just stated. Journalism should be humble. Journalism should try to prevent a forum for a diversity of views. I mean, they're not doing that in the Republican race really right now. Uh, they're, they're not giving that candidate equal time. I think the only thing we could say, Rich, on their behalf is <laughs> they certainly haven't allowed a Democratic race. Uh, you know, they've squashed that. Uh, that's v- very pro-Biden on their part. That's right. I mean, no, Nikki Haley is is getting tons of coverage compared to Dean Phillips. <laughs> Dean Phillips is all over New Hampshire. Well, I have to explain who Dean Phillips is because, you know, yeah. No, yeah. nobody's gotten any, nobody knows who he is because he hasn't gotten any coverage. Well, he's a congressman from Minnesota, and I, for some reason, had mistakenly thought he was up near Duluth when, no, he's in the suburbs. He's in the suburbs of the Twin Cities. He's a rel- he, I think he's in term two or something. I think he was elected and came into office in 2019. He wanted to get somebody else to run, and nobody would. So, you know, I think Dean Phillips, if Biden loses, Dean Phillips is going to say, I told you guys, how many times did I tell you guys? Especially now that the age issue has become what it is. Uh, in a couple of minutes or a minute, uh, how do you, what's your crystal ball going forward here through November? Oh, it's, it's, well, I guess the question is, do we, do we have Trump and Biden for the duration? Right. If we have Trump and Biden for the duration, it is going to be exactly this. It is going to be tepid coverage of Biden, you know, unenthusiastic, but he's the best we've got. And the, and the rest of it is going to be sort of this, you know, sweet meteor of death hitting America. <laughs> uh, and, with, and with Trump, it's just going to be pounding him day in and day out, day in and day out, uh, night after night on the on the. The ethics cases, the uh, the legal cases, 
um, the, uh, the, the the positions he had, the you know, it, it is going to be, you know, he's going to be the, it's going to be a referendum on Trump again, as far as the media are concerned, right. because a referendum on Biden uh, doesn't work so much for the Biden people. Right. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, let me just say what it should be. It should be also a referendum on what the core Democratic Party would be for, because that's what's going to come on that side after Biden. And that is a lot more radical and a lot more leftist than Joe Biden himself. And that's been unpop. Biden himself has been unpopular on that score. Imagine when you put that on steroids in the years to come. Yeah, I mean, there has been actually a little bit of interesting coverage where the this is where the anti-Biden coverage comes from. It's when they go and they say, well, we're here in the suburbs of Detroit and these people really don't like Biden because they like Hamas. And uh, But the difference, Rich, of course, is that they always present, oh, the ultra-conservatives are going to be the death of the Republican Party, and pro-Hamas people on the Democrat side is just, huh, what an interesting point of view. Not like it's going to damage the Democrats by being too far to the left or too pro-terrorist. Right. So, I mean, I, you know, we're going to keep at this. We're going to have to figure out at some point whether we do some Biden numbers uh, uh, or, you know, what the pattern here is as we approach that general election. Uh, but, uh, Rich, we appreciate everything you do and bringing to this all that you, uh, you know, all the methodologies and experience you bring to the table. You know, we do serious research here. We don't just do the silly uh, what Sonny Hostin said on The View today, what Joy Behar said on The View. Uh, we um, we do some serious research over months and months or years to give you a sense of how the media just do the same thing day in and day out. So that's why you got to come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.